Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones here for another edition of the Church Planner Podcast. And uh, Peyton, why don't you uh, introduce who our guest is? Okay, well, we have uh, Tim Challies. He has one of the uh, most popular blogs on, uh, you know, Christian blogs on the internet. Tim, is it actually the most popular blog on the internet for Christians? I don't even know. It, I know you're big. Let's put it that way. This is a this is a, a heavy hitting blog. It is a huge resource. And uh, anyways, hey, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Tim in a second. But Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, hey, Tim, it's it's pronounced Tim Challies, and you got it. Uh, he, he says it rhymes with valleys and rallies. I know R.C. Sproul used to say. Uh, it's sprawl as in soul, not sprawl as in growl. And there you go. I don't have that problem with, mm. with James. No. So, but uh, okay, well, hey, you know, Tim, you're uh, you're the pastor at Grace Fellowship in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, you have also written multiple books: a spiritual, or excuse me, the discipline of spiritual discernment, sexual detox, a guide for guys who are sick of porn, and, which is an awesome title. And the next story, Life and Faith After the Digital Explosion. And you also helped found uh, Cruciform Press. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been busy over the years. <laughs> how do you do it all, man? I asked Ed Stetzer this. But how, how do you do it all? How do you balance everything? Yeah, I think Ed Stetzer is kind of in a league of his own, uh, doing all <laughs> he does and traveling three, four times a week or whatever he does. So. I actually heard that Ed has clones that does... Yeah. Uh, that's how he's able to farm out the work. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Something's, there's got to be something like that going on. As for how I do it, I just carve life into essentially three chunks, family, church, and the rest, the, the out there kind of face. And 
I just try and keep those worlds as separate as I can and just try to do each one of them well. So I just, I, honestly, I just try and keep life as simple as possible. I like it, man. That's a, that's very good advice. When you say out there, do you mean like stuff like go to Walmart and drop off? You know, no, I mean things like writing blog posts and writing books and all of that, that, that public face. Yeah, right on. Well, let me ask you, because I mean, you, you're pretty active. How in the, like, when do you, when do you have time to, to do your blogs and all that? What's your, when do you sit down? Like, I, I know guys like Michael Hyatt, they, they do it at like nine at night. Right, which my brain's dead. Right, I'm only right. good for TV at nine at night. Right, yeah, yeah. I I tend to uh, be done by about then. So, um, I, I tend to get up early. I like to write first thing in the morning. I like to write before and after breakfast. So either before the kids get up or right after the kids are off to school. That's when I tend to be at my most productive. Up till about noon or so. After that, I tend to have to do different kinds of work that don't require quite as much creativity. So that's where I tend to do more of the administrative types. I dig it, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's me. I'm a morning person. Well, the the reason we've had you on during the month of January, what we've done is try to kind of hit a wide spectrum of people who uh, I don't know, like uh, for our church planners, you know, are are like a resource. We want people to know um, about these different resources that will kind of help them, almost like something to put in a kit bag for church planning and the rest of their ministry. So. Uh, you're in the kit bag, man. So we're going to pull Tim Challies out today. All we're right. Gonna, we're going to use this tool, uh, challies.com, informing the reforming. Um, it's kind of like a smart man's Christian website, right? Where <laughs> you can go on there and you can learn about like, you you know, I can see right now you've got book reviews. And by the way, uh, if if you haven't read Tim's book reviews, they are kind of like, they're like good book reviews. I write lame book reviews in comparison, but Tim writes amazing. And I, and I think you even blogged once about how to write a, a book review. Is that right? Yeah, I've done uh, a few different things on how to write reviews, or at least how I write reviews. Yeah, it's not necessarily I, the objectively right way of doing it, but it works. Yeah, and I don't pay any attention to that. My reviews suck. It's kind of like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk when he, you know, is a wine taster and he goes, "This one tastes like bubblegum and cracker jacks." That's kind of my. Depends what you're looking for in a book review, right? If you're looking for an academic review, don't come knocking on my door. I, I don't do that. But <laughs> if you if you feel like, hey, that guy, I, I kind of like the way he thinks about things, then hopefully my reviews will give you a, a sense of whether the book is a good one or not and help you think about it. So if I can just help spur people's thinking a little bit, then I'm I'm content there. Amen. And and that's what I find refreshing, though, is it, it, they're thoughtful and they're intelligent. And, uh, you know, it, it's good. You know, God uses guys like Peter. But then he also uses his Pauls, you know what I'm saying? So um, I always find it refreshing when I'm when I'm surfing around and cruising the Internet. I'm like, hey, that guy's smart and he loves Jesus. That's great. <laughs> we need that. Well, great. When it's come to book reviews, my, my view has always been that most people, A, don't have all the books sent to them. I'm in that fortunate position. But then also most people uh, don't enjoy reading quite as much or don't have quite as much opportunity to read. So if I can read and review a book a week, then I can help people who are going to read just a few books a year, help them narrow in on three, four, five books that will be uh, most beneficial to them. So I can sort of skim off the ones that are just okay, the ones that are not good, and hopefully direct people to the ones that are really good. Right on. Well, let's get right into it. Let's let's talk a bit about... um, the importance of reading theologically, because a lot of a lot of our church planners, you know, they 
they might be guys who, uh, you know, maybe he's a car mechanic during, during the day and a church planner by night. And, um, you know, he, he's not been to seminary and he's trying to figure out, you know, as he's studying the word, how do I beef up a bit? Cause you know, I'm not, you know, I recognize this hole in my knowledge. I've got a knowledge gap. Um, first off, we, you know, nowadays theology gets a bad rap, right? I mean, a lot of people don't understand that, that theology is a, a very important part of it's, it's really how you think about things in the scripture. Um, let me just ask you, what's the importance of anyone doing ministry of reading theologically? Maybe, maybe we want to start reading. <laughs> then we want to go sure. reading theology, theologically or take them together. What's the importance of it? Yeah, I, I think there's lots of good reasons to read. I really appreciate what Al Mohler says in his book, The Conviction to Lead. He has a section there called Leaders Are Readers. And that really helped crystallize some things in my mind about how uh, you're never going to be better than your convictions. So you'll never be a better leader than your convictions. You won't ever lead against your convictions. And so one of the jobs of a leader is to be continually developing his convictions. And the best way to do that is to, buy, is to be constantly engaging with other ideas, weighing them, examining them, and refining your convictions. And then uh, as you do that, you'll become a better leader necessarily. And so one of the best reasons to read is just to be is to be looking for new ideas, examining those ideas, taking the good, leaving the bad, and then just growing in your convictions at which point you'll hopefully, we trust, be a better leader. So I think that right there is a great reason to read. The other thing is uh, you look around at the great men of history, the people we love and admire, they're all readers. You know, you're not going to find a lot of people out there who are on the front lines of Christian ministry and are addicted to TV, right? They're all addicted to books. They're all people who are reading heavily. So uh, when you go looking for models, looking for people, I want to be like that guy, you're going to have to find out what books he reads, not what TV shows he watches, because it's the books that have formed them. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. And yeah, I, I read a lot of biography personally. Mm-hmm. That is very much true. You know? And do you find as you read biography, a lot of the people have been formed by YouTube and by uh, just watching <laughs> hours and hours of television? I mean, I've been reading my way through presidential biographies, and it's always interesting just to come up against what books these guys read and how shaped they were by their books. It's just um, most of these people, their entertainment, their, the thing they love to do was to read. So even if, if the reading was you know, to some degree, entertainment, it was still challenging them, still forming their ideas, still encountering facts and increasing their knowledge. Yeah. What, what is it, do you think, about reading as opposed to TV watching? Because both both are sources of information. Okay, granted, you know, there's a lot of crap on TV and there's some good, you know, History Channel used to be good. Um, they used to actually have history on there. But, mm. um, but you know, I, I mean, there is something different that happens when you read. What would you say is the benefit of reading as opposed to watching? Well, there was a time when people thought that TV was going to replace books, right? That this medium, this written medium, is passing away in favor of this visual medium. Uh, what we found is that the, the, word, the, the image can't replace the word, but it can displace the word, right? Mm. So what happened is people weren't getting the same ideas through TV. They were just getting no ideas, or they are just not learning anymore. TV was now just for entertainment and amusement. So you read Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. This is the kind of thing he's teaching us, and it's all the way back in the 80s, mm-hmm. and it's equally true today. So the benefit of reading is that reading allows you to make a slow, careful study 
of something rather than having images flickering at 60 images a second and rather than having the average scene last for a couple of seconds. You know, TV is just bang, bang, bang. It moves through things quickly. Words allow you to slow down, allow you to just focus on them, allow you to learn at your own pace. Words are just incredible carriers of meaning, carriers of content in a way that images simply can't be. Images tend to evoke emotion, whereas uh, words tend to stimulate the mind. It's so funny. I was just thinking that exact same thing. Not really, but I want to steal it because it was brilliant. <laughs> so I want to pretend. No, sure, take it. but no, but honestly though, it, it's true. Um, when I read, I was just thinking that same thing. I was I was thinking in my mind when I watch a biography of like I you know I watch the movie uh, Jobs about Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. and I'm also reading the book. And yeah. um, although I know the story, the book is making me think about things and the movie made me feel. And I was mm-hmm. just right before he said that, I was thinking, yeah, that movie made me feel the book because I do believe that. I believe that reading produces reflection in a way that watching TV does not, even if you're watching good programs. Right. Now, uh, just to be clear, there's no, there's no, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong with images. They're good, too. And God himself has used images to, to help us, to teach us. So uh, you think back to the Old Testament, you think to the tabernacle. There was an image God gave us, right, that he gave to his people. They were to look at that image. They were to learn things from it. So as they saw the smoke ascending from the altar, that was supposed to help them think, oh, these are the prayers of God's people ascending to God. As they saw animals being slaughtered, they were supposed to realize there, there's some truth that's buried in this picture here. There's something we're yeah. supposed to learn from it. So the images, too, carry meaning. But God still had Moses write it all down for them yes. to, to make it clear and to retain it for them. Yeah, and I and I suppose they're both good. I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, having been a missionary out in... Uh, in uh, Wales, where did I go again? I went to Wales, and uh, <laughs> while I was out there, it was awesome because you know I, I, they're so post-Christian and so post-modern and mm-hmm. so biblically illiterate that I would find as I was talking to them that the only thing I could connect with them on biblical concepts they had no clue. I would mm-hmm. connect with them on uh, through pop culture, yep. so through music, through uh, you know. I, those would be the conversations that I would be able to to find myself using as the thin end of the wedge for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, movies like The Matrix, you know, um, those are the obvious ones. But, you know, uh, you're just able to, you know, so for me, watching is, is, is important. But reading is, for me personally, that's where I grow spiritually. I don't just feed my mind. I actually grow spiritually. The times where I'm doing the, the what, what I would say, the most spiritual in my, you know, uh, best spiritual health I'm reading and I'm mm-hmm. reading a lot. Sure. And, and so allow those things to complement one another and they do well. You don't have to not watch TV. You don't have to not watch movies. That's there's room, there's time and place for that. But to see the primacy of the word is something that will feed our mind and feed our soul. God chose to give us the word in the beginning was the word and he's given us the written word of God. Uh, the, the Bible movie won't ever replace the word of God, the written word of God. They're, they're different mediums for different purposes. Absolutely. And of course, you know, I'm looking at your site right now and I see here's the hashtags, creation, eschatology, interviews, video games. 
and, yeah. and video games. I mean, you know, nobody wants to talk about the fact, hey, I play video games. Mm-hmm. I find if you're in ministry, um, a video game is not a bad, uh, bad thing to pick up every once in a while, you know, to kind of relax and unwind the mind a bit. Just do something stupid. Sure. Mark Driscoll did say, after all, video games are stupid. So <laughs> I need something stupid to do every once in a while. And so, you know, I'll play a video game. Where's Tim Challies on this? What's he currently playing? <laughs> uh, not playing a lot of video games. Now, that's not through lack of interest. I was a big gamer for many years, more a computer strategy rather than console shoot 'em thing. But that's something I just don't have time for. So sometimes my son and I will sit down and we'll pr- play some uh, multiplayer Civilization Five. That's kind of our game. Um, nice. So we enjoy doing that sometimes. Uh, that's the kind of thing, if I let myself go there, I would burn endless hours doing that. So sometimes on <laughs> vacation, I'll uh, allow myself to spend a few days just staying up all night in ridiculous hours, saving the world or conquering the world or whatever it is. But uh, I, don't, I don't play as many games as I otherwise could allow myself to. <laughs> yeah, I dig, I dig that, man. I totally relate. And we are wired the exact same because those are the kind of games I like. Conquer yeah. the world, you know. Whatever. And they're great fun. I think there's there's good entertainment value there. There's they're fun. They make you think. They're I don't think there's a thing wrong with them. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even though video games do get the bad rap and we hear about, you know, there is something concerning about the fact that the the average video game buyer is not a young boy. It's an older guy. It's a guy my age, you know, in his 30s. Um there's something a little odd about that. If those are the guys who are spending tons of money and burning up countless hours, but to use it as a as entertainment, as diversion, yeah, that's, I think there's yeah. a place for that. Some people Absolutely. go fishing. Some people pretend to go fishing. Absolutely. Or some people buy a video game and it sits there for a year. Right, yeah. <laughs> Unopened. Known to package. do that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good, good intentions. But oh, So if, if you were to tell uh, one of our church planners, hey, and, and not books on church planning, but, but books to help broaden them on God, let's just... You know, I noticed one of your blogs is called a theological toolbox. Yeah. If if they were to be given a theological toolbox and you were to pop that puppy open, what would be in it? What what would you tell our church planners? Look, these are the books you need to have in your library and you need to visit them. Yeah, I don't know that I've I've read widely enough. Most of my reading tends to be what's more in the contemporary and more in the popular realm. So I'm not reading a whole lot of the ancient dense theologians, I tend to be reading the popularizers of those ideas. So I read Piper more than I read Edwards, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think some of those classics I've read, they are worth reading. I recently read uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks, which blew my mind and I need to read again and will read again. I think about it just about every day. It's just, it's there now in my, in my heart and my mind. Um, R.C. Sproul's The Holiness of God is easily one of the most formative oh, yeah. books. I'm about to lead a young adult group through that book. Um, I've led lots of people through that book. It's just such a powerful look at the character of God. If you want to grow in holiness, if you want to grow in knowledge, what better what better impetus is there than just seeing God in His holiness and thinking, if that's who God is, I want to get to know that God more, and I want to honor that God more. Um, boy, um, I... I I could go on. Yeah. Well, that, that book, the holiness of God, surely, uh, you know, if you, if, if, if our listeners have never, and I'm guessing a lot of people have never read that book, um, mm-hmm. just a, a word and a side about RC Sproul. He is a, uh, he was a philosophy major. He's a theologian. He's now a pastor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, runs a, a, a ministry called Ligonier, yep. and he wrote that book, The Holiness of God, because he believes that what's been lost today in the modern church is, is the concept of God's holiness. Now, we talk about his love, we talk about you know, all these different things, but holiness is everything God is, and it, mm-hmm. it conveys the sense of other. Um, of course, he delves into Rudolf Otto's uh, definition of holiness to, uh, to kind of define it. And so Tim's uh, bringing up what, what I would agree is an amazing uh, work. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Tim, but the insanity of Luther in that book is something that has haunted me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the book. If you're more visual, then you can watch the original teaching series as well. There's six of them. And that's well worth reading. It's all free online, too. I think you can get it all. So there's no reason not to, to go into that. That is a classic. Um, Jerry Bridges, The Discipline of Grace, is another really good mm-hmm. book where you hear a lot about being gospel-centered, preaching the gospel to yourself, all these sorts of things. Lest that become cliche, pick up Bridges' book and and read that and just see how the gospel really does apply to everyday life and learn the importance of just constantly preaching that gospel to yourself, reminding yourself of the facts of the gospel so that gospel can do its work in you. Mm -hmm. You're continually pushing yourself away from being justified by your works or thinking you're justified by your works. Instead, you're just reveling in the gospel. So Mm -hmm. that's another book I read quite regularly and uh, often lead other people through. Yeah, and one of the things about your website, which is just you know top notch, and I get I, I subscribe to you via email, so I'm always getting your emails. Yeah. Um, one of the things that that people should know about subscribing to your site is you get uh, the Kindle deals. That is one of the most valuable yeah. things about Tim Challies, uh is he keeps an eye out for books that go on sale for ninety nine cents, a dollar ninety nine. The Kindle deal of the day in Christian books. And I never have to look for that. Tim Challies puts that together for me. So Tim, thanks for that. First off. (laughs) It's incredible uh, what publishers are doing for us these days. I guess they're finding that selling a couple thousand books at 299 books that have been on the the back list for a long time is, is worth it. Cause we're just seeing almost every day. There's a few more deals where books will be, as you said, either 99 cents, sometimes at least once a week, we'll find something good for free. Um, They go up to 399, 499. Um, but it's just a great way of building a collection of books. Absolutely. And, you know, digitally for some of our guys. And um, I, I notice that you sometimes have stuff on audio as well, which is helpful for some of our guys here. That I what? Sorry? That you also sometimes have stuff on audio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So at least once a month, you'll find uh, an audio book deal and occasionally more often than that. So I've recently become a really big listener of audio books. I it was just maybe a year or two ago that I got an Audible subscription, and that's really transformed parts of my life anyways, just using my drive time a whole lot better than I ever have before. So that's been that's been a real joy as well, to listen to books. Yeah, and you bring up a good point there. Um, a lot of our guys are like, hey, man, I'm look, I'm bivocational. I'm working full-time. I'm planning a church. Well, you know, you, you've got your com- commute to work uh, and back, and that's a good time to beef up. Yeah. Yeah, you can with apps today. You can be listening to your Bible while you're going there. So uh, you're sitting on the subway or you're driving in the car. You can put the Bible on, listen to that. I do that often. Or if not that, then get some audio books and or podcasts or something. But 
redeem that time, it's going to be a whole lot more valuable than listening to sports radio. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I've learned from guys like Al Mohler is just the value of taking control of little pieces of time. So you, it, you're taking your daughter to the dentist, as I'm about to do. Uh, there's going to be a few minutes of sitting in a waiting room. Yeah, may as well have a book with you. You can't read a book you don't have, so keep a book with you, even if it's just on your phone or something, and mm. use those little bits. You'll be amazed how how those little pieces of time add up and allow you to do a whole lot more reading, a whole lot more writing, a whole lot more. Just use those those periods of time. I go into the dentist, and the first thing I do is turn off the TV because there's always a TV going. It's distracting. So <laughs> You just go up and you like turn their TV off? Enough of that. That's Enough awesome. of that. Exactly. You, it, when you go in sometime, you need to walk in and you need to say, listen up, everyone. There's a new <laughs> sheriff in town. You need to give the John Wayne speech. That would All be right. awesome. <laughs> yeah. If no one else is watching it, I'll turn it off. No, you got to do it when other people are in there watching it. Listen up, pilgrims. <laughs> All right. I'm on it. And then pull your book out and right. kind of arch your eyebrows and look at everyone, you know, pointfully for a second. That'd I'll be try awesome. It. Just got it. <laughs> All right. So if, uh, you know, I, I noticed that uh, you've mentioned Al Mohler and mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's got a book out on leadership that I've, that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, what, who have been some of your other influencers? Yeah. So I was thinking about this one earlier, actually. I think uh, R.C. Sproul is huge in the theological realm. He's probably my favorite Bible teacher. I just, I, I could sit under his teaching and I learned so much from him just, his style of teaching and my style of learning are very, very compatible. Al Mohler has been hugely shaping and helping me think, learn how to think, learn how to process ideas. And that's been primarily through his blog, though also through his books. So most of his books are actually blog posts, um, but he's written a couple that are original. So just from him, I've really learned to think. And then Randy Alcorn um, has been really big in my life and helping me think about other issues. So uh, the issue of abortion, the issue of money, uh, things about heaven. So in an interesting way, I've, I've never met him face-to-face or anything, but um, just through his books and through his writing ministry, he's had a, a really profound impact on my life as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, I have not read his book on heaven yet, but it's high on my list. So you, yeah. you recommend that then? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's It's dense, and I think sometimes he goes just a little bit beyond... You know, sort of into the speculative, beyond what the Bible makes clear. Um, you know, questions about, will I see my puppy in heaven, that kind of thing. Um, so, and Ed Stetzer and I both really hope we don't. Um, <laughs> the dog you didn't want, but hey, glad it died. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing, exactly. Um, so yeah, the, I think those three guys, of course, those are the kind of celebrities who have been important in, in my own life. There's people that have influenced me right here in my local church, right on. my local context. Excellent. Now, what are you currently reading? What's in your, uh, what's in your library right now? Uh, I'm just reading a book about spiritual warfare. It was just published by um, Reformation Heritage. It's quite a book, quite a good book, I think. Yeah. Um, still, uh, the last names are Borgman and Ventura. I'm not sure of the first names. So brand new, just out this week, I think. So it's been not pretty good. Not Ventura. Not Jesse. No, don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. I'm not sure about his theological moorings. Um, I I don't know what else I'm reading. I'm reading a uh, 
working on the volume two of William Manchester's biography of Winston Churchill, which is absolutely amazing. All right. You know what? It, it, how old is that one? Oh, the third volume came out maybe two years ago. The other volumes were spaced six or eight okay. years or something. So it's quite old. All right. Very, very good. Yeah. And I think, you know, basically you can learn so much from, from those books on leadership from guys who, uh, you know, they were, I mean, imagine the leadership it took to lead uh, countries like that. And these guys, you know, they weren't, you know, they weren't needing anyone's votes. I mean, votes weren't an issue for them, but they would talk about God, God leading them, guiding them during those sure. times. They were aware of God's sovereignty at work in their life. And um, so you can learn from these guys. Some people are like, oh, I just read, uh, you know, like uh, Christian books. But I think to read widely, as you mentioned, the leaders, the leaders of the faith. I, you know, there's a story of A.W. Tozer reading Shakespeare on his knees. Sure, yeah. Because he, he, would, he would say, Lord, there's light everywhere. You know, yep. show me, guide me. Show yeah, me. And especially in history, it's all God's history, right? It's all his story of what's happening in this world, of how he's bringing about his purposes. So if you can't see God working even through Winston Churchill, who was no Christian, didn't love the Lord at all, uh, you can still see the Lord's hand in his life and the Lord raising up the right man for the right purpose at the right time. Uh, it's just amazing to see how God works. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, you mentioned Brooks, uh, spiritual warfare. You're reading a lot of spiritual warfare right now. Do you notice, and, and, and the reason I'm highlighting this is that our guys, uh, they're in for it, right? When you're advancing the borders of the kingdom of God, you're in frontline territory, you're going into no man's land, you're advancing the gospel in places where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to experience the enemy coming in for a blow, like Lloyd Jones says in mm-hmm. Ephesians six. It's it's not uh, it's not for the weak of heart. It's not it's not lighthearted stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you find when you read books on spiritual warfare? Do they affect you a certain way? Do you sense a spiritual dynamic as you're reading those? Yeah, I, I sense the Lord just telling me that this is this is truth. That I need to have a greater awareness that there are that there is satan in the world that there is he and his his powers are at work against us so i think what happens is you know we're told that our our battles against the world the flesh and the devil and i think as reformed christians we tend to um, err toward the flesh it's always easy to say total depravity that's me I'm, i'm i'm an evil person i've got an evil heart um therefore it's it's my fault the sin is mine uh, maybe if you're more towards the, like, maybe the fundamentalist camp or something, you can say it's the world, right? You might err toward the world. It's the world's fault. The world's pushing in on us. Hmm. And then maybe if you're out towards the, the charismatic wing a little bit more, it can be more of the devil, right? I, I think we all have, in, in each little group, we've got our own preference there on who and what we blame. But hmm. to understand that all of these things are pressing against us, all of these things are opposed to us, I think we as Reformed Christians need to correct a little bit towards spiritual warfare. Not in the, you know, not the Frank Peretti model. We don't need to be out smiting them. Uh, but, yeah. but to understand that we do have an enemy and he is actively opposed to us. And there is that kind of evil in the world. It's not just a force. It's, it's beings who are evil and are influencing us or trying to influence us and, changing circumstances or however they work. I don't know that we as the reformed crowd have really focused on that enough. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. We all have our, our theological blind spots. And I guess that's kind of why we're, we're talking about this today to, to read, to kind of beef up. I mean, we all get kind of, you know, caught off guard. Someone will ask a question. This to me is one of the, the, the biggest reasons uh, to be asking, you know, myself, what, what, what do I need to read? Um, you mentioned that you stay abreast of topics that are popular, um, they're current. It, it's important to have uh, these things on our radar because they are going to be, our people are going to be hearing them. They're going to be affecting the people that we minister to. Mm-hmm. Stuff is breaking in the news all the time. Um, you know, the, the, the sexual revolution has been a big uh, topic recently, particularly with same sex. I mean, mm-hmm. all this stuff, it, it all factors in. And of course, the epistles cover a wide range of topics on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I just, you know, Tim, it's been awesome having you on. Thanks for sharing your brain, letting us crawl inside your head for a minute. Uh, kind of like uh, being John Malkovich. We, we found yeah. a little little back door, a closet that goes into your brain to see what you're reading, how you're thinking. The website is chellies.com. Um, you can sign up. I, I heavily suggest that you sign up uh, and get his emails and you check out what he has there. Uh, he will save you a lot of work, but hopefully he'll do even more than that. He'll stimulate you to read. So, Tim, thanks for coming on today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where no one's going and do what no one's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.